welcome back to Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 52. I'm your host, Peter Harling. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at DPR underscore show. You can follow me on Twitter if you're so inclined at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. I am the content editor for Dauber Prospects, a former managing editor of Dauber Prospects, and right now we're looking at uh, the end of the junior hockey season. So I'm going to go over uh, the three Canadian Hockey League top scorers in each league, some prominent players who are free agents and coming over. Uh, it's also the end of the year of the regular season for college hockey. NCAA is now over as well. We've got some college hockey signings already, some prominent players, players I told you to look out for on previous episodes have now signed. So we'll uh, circle back on some of those guys and, and talk about some of them. Another big event is the fact that Shane Wright has been granted exceptional status to join the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, right now, the first overall pick is owned by the Kingston Frontenacs, so they'll be selecting him without question. And uh, I'm very excited to be joined later on in the episode by former Dauber Hockey uh, Prospects writer Dave McDonald, who has left his writing career behind him in favor of an actual scouting career. He does some scouting in the USHL, and uh, he's an Ontario-based scout, so he watches all kinds of GTHL hockey games and has a lot of insight to go over the recently played OHL Cup. For all of those listeners uninitiated, the OHL Cup is the uh, major junior bantam or whatever it's called league uh, that features the players who are a little bit younger than the OHL level, so 15-, 16-year-old kids. Uh, who are going to be drafted into OHL or USHL leagues uh, about to start their major junior careers. Uh, this tournament has seen the likes of some pretty prominent players like uh, Corey Perry, Connor McDavid, Jonathan Taves, and uh, they're joined by another player of exceptional status in Shane Wright. So lots of that coming up. First section we're going to cover is uh, scoring leaders from the CHL, and I'm going to start in my own backyard in the OHL with a player I'm super familiar with, and that's Jason Robertson. Former Kingston Frontenac, traded to Niagara this year as the fronts are in a full-on rebuild. Uh, Robertson led the league in scoring with 117 points. He's a Dallas Stars prospect. I feel like I've covered him just plenty on this podcast before. Uh, He's come up on a number of episodes, so I'm not going to spend too much time on him, as you should all know what my thoughts are on him great player dynamic score uh underrated hands underrated uh playmaking ability um his skating needs some some work and he will definitely be turning pro after this year so i wish all the best to jason robertson in texas or dallas wherever he ends up next year if you own him in your fantasy league just keep on holding on to him he's going to be great the uh the next player in the scoring leaders for the ohl is Justin Brazo. So he is a, as Dauber called him, just a monster. He's a 21-year-old, 6'6", 225-pound forward, played this season for the North Bay Battalion in his uh, overage season. So he's a man playing against kids in a giant-sized body. He is an undrafted player, however, so he's a free agent, North Bay is going up in the playoffs against Niagara this round, and you can probably bet that that will be a short series for North Bay. There are plenty of teams reported to be having interest in signing him. 
Darren Dreger was on Insider Trading on TSN. He lifted off uh, St. Louis, Toronto, Boston, Nashville, and Columbus as some of the teams interested in signing Justin Brazo. So as soon as his playoff uh, season is over, you, you can start looking for him to be signing as a free agent. Another player who I talked about on a previous episode as well uh, that did just sign, I told you he was going to, and he did. He signed as a free agent with the Dallas Stars recently. That's Ottawa 67's leading scorer, Ty Felber. He had 109 points on the season. He's a 20-year-old, so he's also overager. Six foot 190. He managed to play four games at the end of last season in the AHL uh, in an invite or tryout with Laval. He played uh, no regular season games, but I believe it was four playoff games, if memory serves me correctly. He didn't score any points and uh, didn't sign a contract, and it was ended up going back to the OHL, and he played with uh, the 67s, and they're having a heck of a year leading the, leading the league. Uh, another player in the top scoring leaders for the OHL is another overage player. He's a free agent as well. That would be Kevin Hancock, who was traded at the deadline to the London Knights. He finished the season with 107 points, not too shabby for a 21-year-old. He's uh, not as big. He's 5'11", 180, and he was first draft eligible in 2017, so he has gone undrafted twice now, and uh, I believe that makes him a free agent at 21 years old, so he can sign as a free agent in any team that wants him uh, as soon as London season's over or sooner. Uh, McKean's ranked him 91st overall. That was the highest ranked in his uh, first eligible draft year. He obviously went unsigned, but uh, look for him to sign a contract coming up here soon too. The leading scorer in the OHL for defensemen was uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds defenseman Mac Hallowell. He is uh, leading the OHL in scoring with 77 points, 24 goals. He was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's a 20-year-old defenseman. He's 5'10", 177, so he's in his final year of eligibility for the OHL, unless he goes back as an overager, which I really, really doubt. He signed his entry-level contract um, just recently with the Leafs. Uh, He was picked in 2018, fourth round, 118th overall, so he was drafted as an overager. Uh, so he that means he's available right now in, in your fantasy leagues. Um, as his NHL rights have been owned since the draft, he's only 2% Fantrax owned, and he led the OHL in scoring. He'll be turning pro next year, playing for the Toronto Marlies, trying to compete for ice time with guys like Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Liljegren, uh, unless those guys manage to graduate and make the leaps. Uh, he was named the best offensive defenseman at the OHL coaches pool, which I thought was very interesting. Um, So, I mean, it's not terribly surprising. He did lead the league in scoring, but they selected him as the best offensive defenseman ahead of players who have a much better pedigree like Evan Bouchard and Bode Wild. So um, uh, that's pretty promising for Mac Hallowell. All right, so moving over to the West, the WHL, they had their... um, Draft lottery today, by the way. Uh, they denied exceptional status to uh, Max, I think it is, uh, Savoie or Matt Savoie. He applied for the status and got denied. And a lot of people are really upset about that, saying that, you know, the OHL 
gives it away willy-nilly. The WHL has never handed out exceptional status to anyone yet, and some people think they never will. Uh, I had some conversations with a couple of uh, prospect folks over the last couple weeks about exceptional status, and something that came up that I thought was interesting, that apparently there's a stipulation that you must report to whatever team that drafts you in order to be granted exceptional status. And um, some people are speculating that Savoie perhaps had uh, had qualms with one of the teams that had multiple picks in the lottery for the first round, and then he kind of indicated that he would not report to them if he was selected by them. And uh, that's why he was denied exceptional status, which is really unfortunate because I'm not sure where he's going to play this season now. I guess he could go back into uh, uh, CJHL uh, and play there for a year and bide his time, but... I would not be surprised if because the C, the WHL and the CHL in Hockey Canada denied his exceptional status claim that now he thinks about looking at other options, maybe playing in the USHL, uh, maybe following the college route, and they might have lost themselves a marquee player there. So that all remains to be seen, and I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, so back to the leading scores of the WHL for the season. The top score was another... 20-year-old player, uh, Joachim Blitchfield of the Portland Winterhawks, left winger. He's a San Jose draft pick. He's not a free agent. Um, he's 20 years old, though, so he's in his final year of eligibility, and he's uh, 6'2", 187, so he's got good size. He scored 53 goals, which is pretty great. Not quite as high as Justin Brazo's 61 goals over in the O, but still very good. Um, and he finished with 114 points. He also played two AHL playoff games at the end of last season uh, with San Jose. Or not, sorry, with San Jose, in the AHL. Uh, Yeah, with San Jose Barracuda. Uh, Didn't score, though. Zero points. Uh, Next player on the WHL scoring leaders would be uh, Tristan Langan. He's a left-wing moose jaw player. He is a free agent, so someone who might be looking to sign a contract that you can pick up dirt cheap. He's 20-year-old, 6 foot uh, even, 183 pounds. He had himself 113 points and 53 goals. And he finished just ahead of teammate Justin Almedia. He's a center, also with Moose Jaw. He's been drafted by Pittsburgh Penguins. That was back uh, last season in 2018 in the fifth round. And he's a signed player, so Pittsburgh signed him up. The Penguins are really short on prospects. So this is a player that, despite the fact that he was picked a little late in the fifth round, uh, that he did have an outstanding uh, season, scoring 111 points, 33 goals. He doesn't have a lot of competition to make, uh, to play a prominent role for either Wilkes-Barre or, or, uh, or try and crack Pittsburgh next season. So he's a player that might be worth uh, putting on your fantasy watch list for a late, late, late round pick and try and get uh, sneaky good value out of him. So the leading scorer on defense in the WHL was Montreal Canadiens prospect Josh Brook. He was uh, drafted by the Habs in 2017 in the second round. So most of these players that I've talked about have all been late round picks or undrafted players, uh, with the exception of, I guess, uh, Jason Robertson. So Josh Brook, second-round pick by the Habs. He had 75 points. He's only 6% fan tracks owned. He's 6'1", 192, so size is not an issue with this guy. And uh, you might have caught him play for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. He had two points in five games for Canada 
at the World Juniors. And that's it for the dub. Moving over to the queue. Uh, some interesting names on, on the queue list here I really like. Uh, Peter Abandonado, a center with Nuranda He's a free agent, 20-year-old again. A uh, little bit undersized, not really, but 5'11", 192. He finished uh, leading the league in scoring with 111 points, 29 goals, 82 assists. So looks like a little bit of a playmaker center there. I'm not sure if he's going to get too much attention for a contract. I, I tried finding some information on him, and not too much was available. Not a lot of buzz on him. Uh, he finished six points ahead of Alexis Lafreniere, who is three years younger. He's 17-year-old, so he's not drafted yet because he's not eligible until next year's draft, the 2020 draft, and he'll be a contender for first overall Uh Dynamic player, just dynamite. Uh, he's 6'1", 192, so size is not a problem for 17-year-old Lafreniere. Uh, he had 37 goals, tied for second overall in league scoring with 105 points. He tied with uh, Ivan Shekovich. He is a San Jose Sharks prospect. He's 20-year-old as well. Uh, I got to see him play during the Canada-Russia series preliminary for the World Juniors. And uh, at that time, he was leading the queue in scoring. Because he missed some games to play in this tournament, he uh, ended up falling out of the the lead and never quite got it back, but he was right there, tied for second. Uh, He's 5'10", 185. He had 43 goals and 62 assists, so that's a pretty outstanding season for Ivan Shekovich. The San Jose Sharks also have signed him. He's a 2017 seventh-round pick, so it looks like the Sharks scouts dug up a diamond in the rough in the seventh round with this guy. Um, his fan track's ownership is 7%, so one of the higher ownerships of the players that I'm talking about on this podcast today. Last but not least, the defense leading scorer this season from the queue was Charles Edouard Dastus. He uh, had 55 games. He had 66 points, so over a point a game as a defenseman, 14 goals, 52 assists. Uh, he's 6'2", 201, gotten a couple scraps this year. He had uh, 68 minutes in penalties. He was a plus 34 rating. This past summer, he was invited to the Ottawa Senators' Uh, rookie development camp so he has had some some NHL interest and this is a player that another player I tried finding some information on I couldn't find much buzz about him on Twitter outside of scoring summaries from uh, from team in-game reports uh, a couple articles in French that I couldn't make out uh, so he's like way under the radar so if you're looking uh, to try and find someone who might sign a contract that no one's ever heard of in your league uh, Charles Edward Dastus might be that guy. All right, so that's it for the CHL. Um, moving over to the NCAA, uh, the going through some of the scoring leaders, and I got a couple of goalies to talk about for the NCAA as well. Um, just going to kind of gloss over some of the names on this list because I'll be talking about them in the next segment and when I talk about free agents. So the leading scorer in the NCAA uh, was a tie between uh, Taro Hirose, 50 points. He signed with Detroit, so I'll talk about that in a minute. Alex Limoges uh, finished tied for first with 50 points. He played for Penn State. He's a center. He's 21-year-old, sophomore, 
So he could play two more seasons in the NCAA if he wanted to. I guess he got a bit of a late start. He had, anyways, 23 goals and 50 points this year. He's a player that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he ended up getting a a contract and just uh, left college a little bit early. Uh, Another player, um, another Toronto Maple Leafs player to talk about here, Joseph Duzak. He's a defenseman with Mercyhurst, and he has uh, signed with the Leafs again. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, He was the leading scorer in defense in the NCAA, finished third overall in scoring, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, The next player on the list was another defenseman, and so was the next player on the list, another defenseman. So Cal McCarr and Adam Fox finished uh, fourth and fifth overall in scoring. So of the top five scorers in the NCAA this year, the top two were forwards, and they tied with 50 points, and the next three were defensemen, which I find very interesting. So Cal McCarr is, you know, very well-known Colorado Avalanche first-round pick, uh, had his uh, first year in the NCAA, he's a dominant player, everyone expects that he will make the jump to the NHL right away uh, and play maybe a little bit of the games this season, depending on how far UMass goes in their postseason, uh, but look for Colorado to sign him uh, to his entry-level contract at the end of the season and try and get him into some some games so that he can burn a year of that ELC. Uh, same with Adam Fox out of Carolina. Uh, he's playing with Harvard right now. He was originally drafted by Calgary. He's got one year left, but he's probably going to turn pro. I think Carolina's going to turn the heat up on that because he only has one year left, and if he goes back and plays that year, you really don't want to lose him to free agency. Uh, next on the list, back to forward, Ram Pitlick, a player that I've seen a lot on TV a few times, and I really like his game. He's a senator with the University of Minnesota. Uh, he's going to fit in just just great with Nashville. Uh, he might not be the biggest player, but don't tell him that because he certainly likes to uh, throw his weight around the ice and, and not afraid to go into the gritty areas, dirty areas in the corner, uh, or take some licks in front of the net. He is in his junior year. He's got 45 points. He's a player that I think Nashville might want to look at turning pro. Uh, next player on the list is the next free agent, Jacob Pritchard. He is still remaining to be unsigned. He's left winger, uh, teammate of Kale McCarr on UMass. He's a 23-year-old, six foot 185. This is his senior year, so he's done in the NCAA after this. He finished the season with 45 points, which doubled his uh, career totals. His last three years, he was a pretty consistent 20-something point player, and he just jumped to to 45 points this year as a 23-year-old in his fourth season. Um, All right, moving on to goalies. A couple of goalies that I want to talk about um, that I think are players that might be flying a little bit under most people's radar, and that's why you listen to this podcast, to get names like Andrew Shortridge, Quinnipiac goalie. He's 23 years old. Uh, He managed to play in 25 games this season. He's a free agent, not drafted or signed by anybody. Uh, His goals against average was a pretty impressive 1.51 in 25 games. Uh, And his save percentage was 941. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Didn't get to see too many of his games, so I don't really know much about him. But uh, I'll certainly be watching the transaction wire to see if he signs a contract. The next player is a player I've heard quite a bit of buzz about listening to NHL 
uh, radio on Sirius XM or listening to Hockey Prospect Radio, Joel Decord is a goalie that's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, his dad is a goalie coach, former goalie coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think it was. And Joel Decord is having a great season with uh, Arizona State. And he's an Ottawa Senators draft pick. Um, so Arizona State has their, their first year in Division One NCAA, and they're making all kinds of noise, um, having a really great season. And their 22-year-old goalie, he's six foot two, so he's got okay size, has played 34 games. He leads the league in shutouts with seven. His goals against average is 236 and his 926 save percentage. Uh, because he's Ottawa Senators draft pick, he's got 2% fan tracks ownership. So he is a long-term project. Well, not that long-term. He's 22. If he doesn't make it in the next three years, he probably never will. But uh, he's a player you could pick up as a free agent and uh, just kind of hold on to him, stash him away for a season or two on your on your prospect bench. Uh, the next goalie on the list is Hayden Hockey, Providence goalie. He's a 2014 draft by uh, Montreal in the sixth round, 177th overall. He is now property of the Edmonton Oilers and is obviously unsigned, uh, but he's a senior, so this is his final season of hockey. So he will either become a free agent or be signing post haste with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, 24-year-old, six foot two. He had 38 games played, uh, 189 goals against average, 919 save percentage, and he also had seven shutouts in uh, 38 games. So that's that's a pretty pretty great stat line right there. And uh, he is 1% Fantrax owned, so he's widely available too. And the final goalie and a college player I'm going to talk about in this segment is Ati Tolvanen. That would be Eli. Tolvanen's brother. He's 24-year-old, so that makes him his older brother. He plays for North Michigan. He's uh, only six foot even, but he played the most minutes in the NCAA. 39 games played. His goals against average was 235, 917 save percentage. He had five shutouts as well, and again, he is a free agent. All right. So, Last little segment here before I bring on my guest, Dave McDonald. Uh, talk a little bit about free agent signings. So this podcast is being recorded on Wednesday, March 20th, I suppose. So about up till now, unless something just happened recently. So these are the top signed free agent players. So I don't think I'm going to talk about players that have had their NHL rights uh, drafted previously. There's a couple players that were, you know, junior players that that signed um so these are college players or uh unrestricted free agents Uh, of course quinn hughes signed with vancouver uh rather early that kind of kicked off everything Uh, and you all know about quinn hughes of course he's going to be dynamic he's going to be fantastic he's got uh he's got his foot in a and a boot cast or whatever they're called because he blocked a shot. So he hasn't been able to play an NHL game yet. You know that he's going to before the season ends. Um, But this might be kind of the really best case for Vancouver Canucks as because he can't play just quite yet, it means he'll be under the 11 games played mark and under the 10 games played mark, which will eliminate him from being eligible for the Seattle draft or uh, burning a year of his 
um, restricted free agency eligibility. So he can still play some games, burn a year of his entry-level contract, but not um, move forward his uh, UFA status. So look for him to play. Uh, Jake Lucchini has signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's a left winger, 23-year-old from Michigan Tech, and that's just about all I know about this guy. Uh, In the past, I've talked about uh, Princeton teammates, Max Veronu and Ryan Kuffner. So these guys are friends. They're both from Ottawa. They played four seasons in Princeton together, and both have signed their uh, NHL entry-level contracts, uh, signed as free agents. So first things first, Max Verono is uh, now 7% Fantrax owned, and he was signed by hometown Ottawa Senators. There's a feel-good story for you. 23-year-old right winger gives the Senators another prospect uh, tool in the toolbox for their rebuild. He's played some NHL games already, two games. He's got an appoint, an assist. He's a really fast player. He's got uh, pretty decent size, too. So he's a player that is a free ad for the organization. They've got a whole lot of things going well for them in Belleville with all of the uh, prospects that they've acquired in recent trades. Uh, so he's someone who I think definitely is uh, buzzworthy and uh, someone who you might want to look at uh, potentially adding to your fantasy roster because I think he could be relevant. Uh, his buddy, Ryan Kuffner, uh, signed with the Detroit Red Wings. He's also played some NHL games. He didn't have any points by the time I started doing my research for this the other day. Um, but he's a big player. He's also pretty fast. He's got a good compete level. Uh, he would have also been invited to, to NHL development camps, both Ottawa and Winnipeg's. So there's been interest in him for a number of years, but uh, he played out his college career, and, you know, that's commendable. Good for him, 22-year-old. Now, I talked about Taro Hirose a little bit uh, just previously with the NCAA scoring leaders. So he led the league, tied with 50 points. His Fantrax ownership is only 4%, which is less than Max Verono's, which I find surprising. Maybe it's because he hasn't hadn't played an NHL game. He has now. Uh, he's got uh, one point. It's an assist. Uh, he played with Michigan State, 22-year-old left wing, signed by Detroit, like I said. He's a uh, skilled playmaker. And uh, I think uh, I saw an interview with uh, the Red Wings coach where he was talking about starting him on a line um, with uh, Vanek and Nielsen. So a couple of veterans there to help show him the way. He's a player that I think definitely could have some some fantasy relevance. We'll see how he finishes off the season. Uh, that'll have a lot to do with where he gets projected next season. Uh, perhaps they'll be able to send him to the AHL for some AHL seasoning and playoff games as well with Grand Rapids. That would be tremendous for his development. So besides Quinn Hughes, Vancouver Canucks went ahead and added another free agent defenseman. Uh a local kid, nonetheless, BC native Josh Teeves. He's 24 year old defenseman, six foot 170, I believe he is. Uh, he was invited previously to the Vancouver Canucks camp. Uh, Cam Robinson said that he's a good shot blocking uh, player. He's also been invited to the New York Rangers development camp. Uh, he's a little bit small uh, at six foot. Not too bad. Uh, he's also capable, as he showed in NCAA, of running the the power play as well and, and generating some some transitions. So sounds like he could be a pretty good multi-cat guy if he blocks a lot of shots and 
manages to put up some points and put some shots on goal on the power play as well. So that's a player that I think is is piqued my interest and someone who I want to get to know a little bit more about. Uh, third Princeton player on the list also. Uh, the next player is uh, another player that I'm really particularly interested in and in watching in the AHL. He signed a two-year NHL contract that'll kick in next season and for now he's finishing the season on an AHL PTO with Toronto that is 21 year old defenseman Joseph Duzak 3% fan tracks owned he is a little small 5'10 185 uh, but he was number one in NCAA scoring he was the third overall and he finished with one point ahead of Kale McCarr um, I think that's pretty fascinating and very telling. Yes, he's a little bit older, but he's only 21 years old, so it's not like he's 23 or 24 dominating the NCAA. So this is a player that I think could be sneaky good value for both Toronto and your fantasy team. He's only 3% owned. He's not going to play in the NHL this year, um, but he will play in the AHL with the Marlies. So uh, go ahead and, and check out a Marlies game. Watch him, see how he does. Moving down the list, uh, uh, it gets a little bit thinner after this, so that was the cream of the crop right there. Um, there's a drop-off here. we got Joe Snively. He's a 23-year-old left wing, 5'9", 165. He's signed by the Washington Capitals out of Yale University. Another player, uh, Matt Robson, 22-year-old goalie. He's signed by Minnesota, and I think he's backing up right now so he's not in the minors he's on their active roster uh six foot two goalie 22 years old so maybe interesting there uh not sure if there's much fantasy upside on this next player's file but his name certainly has some pretty good fantasy hockey implications that would be brady keeper he's a 22 year old defenseman 6'2, 194 uh product of the university of maine and he has been signed by florida panthers uh josh melnick I don't think any relation to Eugene Meldick, Sands owner. Uh, He was signed by uh, Dallas and has been assigned to the Texas Stars. He's a 23-year-old right winger out of uh, Miami. And last but not least, Bob McKenzie tweeted out that Luke Phillip has signed his entry-level contract with Calgary. And what I find interesting about this file is he's he's injured right now, so he's not going to play this season. But the 23-year-old center played three and a half seasons uh, with Kootenai and the Dub, and then his last half of his uh, final season with Red Deer. And for the last three years, he has played college hockey, but not in the NCAA in Canada with the University of Alberta. Not too often do free agents sign out of college hockey. College hockey is full of CHL alumni. A lot of players that played... Um, their full four years or four years plus one as an overager um, and decide to not sign a pro contract in order to take advantage of their uh, scholarship fund. Uh, the CHL gives them one year of paid tuition to a Canadian university for every year that they, they play in the league. So if they play you know full, full years, then they get a full, full year ticket to uh, post-secondary education. So here's a player that went ahead and took advantage of three years of that after four years in the dub and uh, has now signed his uh, pro contract. So that's got to be inspiring to a lot of players who play junior hockey. And and at that point, when you go 
to the Canadian college route, it's kind of saying goodbye to your pro hockey aspirations uh, and keeping your door open for all kinds of other opportunities in your future and still managing to play highly competitive hockey for another three or four years. But here's a guy who has bucked the trend and showed that it doesn't mean the end and you you can follow your... uh, your dream of playing pro hockey, even at the highest level. So I thought that was a really interesting story. I wanted to throw that in the podcast. All right. I think that's all I got for now. So I'm going to take a a pause. I'm going to play about 30 seconds of a tune and I'm going to come back and I'm going to have a chat that I had with, uh, with Dave McDonald. It's a really interesting conversation. Uh, my first time having an actual scout on the podcast, I've had a lot of prospect writers and experts, uh, but no one who actually has the official title of a scout. So really happy to uh, welcome Dave to the podcast. We talk about players who are draft eligible from the USHL, uh, players he's very familiar with as he helped draft them into the USHL. And um, we also talk quite a bit about the OHL Cup final that happened live on TV on Sportsnet just recently on Monday night. So hopefully you had a chance to listen to that. And we talk about a few players from there, starting with Shane Wright. So uh, cue the music and cue up Dave. All right, so it's interview time on Dauber Prospects Radio, and I am really excited to be joined by my guest today, and that would be Dave, and he is a former uh, prospects writer for us at Dauber Prospects, uh, Dave McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at Hoka underscore scouting. That's H-O-C-C-A underscore scouting. And he's a former Dauber Prospects writer because he's currently actually doing some legit scouting for the USHL. So this is our first actual scout uh, to be on the podcast. So I'm pretty excited about that. Dave, welcome to Dauber Prospects. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. So Dave and I have been chatting a little bit in the last few days here about uh, Shane Wright, an exceptional status player who plays in the GTHL for the Don Mill Flyers. Uh, this is uh, Dave is the Ontario Regional Scout for uh, the Des Moines Buccaneers. Buccaneers. That's right. Uh, so Dave is in the rink all the time watching these DTH, GTHL kids. And I don't know anyone who's more qualified to talk about Shane Wright that I know to come on the podcast. So uh, thanks again for coming on, Dave. Um, let's get down to it. Let's let's talk a little Shane Wright and exceptional player status. Uh, he's going to go first overall in the OHL draft. And I'm really excited the fact that the Kingston Frontenacs currently own that that draft pick and they can't trade it. So he's coming to Kingston next year. Um, what am I going to be looking at? Uh, what you're going to be looking at is the best prospect I've seen come out of Ontario uh, in the time that I've been in the ranks. Um, a lot of people are talking about the NHL draft and, and how good Jack Hughes was coming out of Ontario, playing his two years in the National Development Program and you know, going to be the first overall pick this year. Um, but Shane Wright is, and I'm very, very hesitant uh, in the scouting world uh, to use comparables. It's the standard currency we, we tend to throw around uh, in describing a player. And this is the only time where I feel a comparison of this level is required. And I will say it, Shane Wright is Sidney Crosby. The, the different elements of his game. He's got vision. He's got an NHL shot right now. 
he thinks the game around him at just such a high level uh, that you can see is just can't be matched by the by the opposition. Um, great lower body strength. He can go into the corners. He can fight off a heavy forecheck uh, in the defensive zone. At the same time, maintained uh, offensive possession uh, when he's on the when he's on the forecheck. Um, what you're getting is a very complete player, and for a 14 year old player to to play like this um, against 15 year olds and be the very best uh, in this league, playing against 15 year olds as a 14 year old. I mean, that is, a, that is by definition, exceptional. Um, the first time I noticed Shane Wright uh, was a couple of years ago playing actually up a year. He was a minor bantam playing his bantam year with the Don Mills Flyers. And that year at the Whippy Silverstick Tournament, uh, which is one of the major tournaments in Ontario, um, Shane Wright actually played uh, up two years uh, at this tournament for, for Don Mills. Now, I mean, it, he didn't get a ton of ice time. They were still a very, a very, very good team. Uh, but you were looking at a kid who didn't look out of place as a 13-year-old playing against 15-year-olds. So what you're getting on on the hockey side of things is just an outstanding playmaker, outstanding offensive instincts, um, a really total package uh, of a hockey player. And I know it's been discussed about the media, but I've had the chance to, to talk to Shane on several occasions. And what really stands out to me is how good and nice of a kid he is, how mature he is. Um, the way he carries himself um, at this age group, it's very easy for people who laud uh, tons of praise on on a player for it to go to his head. And Shane Wright has not, not let that go to his head whatsoever. Um, he is everything you'd want as a hockey player. Uh, I see his cat. I see him taking on a captaincy uh, either with Kingston or his 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 future NHL team very quickly. He really is just that type of player. All right, so I don't know that much about him. I did a little bit of research heading on to the podcast. Um, his stat line is impressive. He's over two points a game, uh, 72 games, 66 goals, 150 points. He's already got good size, six foot 183. He is the sixth player to be granted exceptional status in the CHL, following McDavid, Ekblad, Tavares, Shonday, and Joe Valeno. Three of those players were drafted first overall in their NHL draft. Uh, Valeno dropped a little bit in the first round to 30th and day fell way down to the round three. Um, let's, let's do a little forecasting with, uh, Shane, Wright. You just compared him to Sidney Crosby. So would you say that he's a, a slam dunk or a very strong contender for first overall in his draft year, which is 2022? Well, and this is the funny thing. It's, uh, as as a scout, you you want to be very careful about uh, about ranking players without having seen the crop they're competing against. Um, I'll put it this way: if there is another player who can challenge Shane Wright uh, for that spot, I would be very surprised. Um, I don't think you find this type of talent uh, anywhere on the planet, for that matter, um, very frequently. As a result, uh, I'm not going to say it's a slam dunk because I simply can't say that empirically. Um, Without seeing the rest of the without seeing the rest of the 04 crop, um, but if there's somebody better than him, um, I'd be extremely surprised. Right on. So the hockey gods lined up for us really nicely for the timing of of our recording of this interview. The OHL Cup final was last night, Monday, March 18th. And our good friends at uh, Sportsnet were kind enough to broadcast that game nationally on TV. So hopefully a lot of people listening to this podcast now were able to catch that game and watch Shane Wright play. Uh, I was one of the people that watched the game. I believe you were there. 
Um, so in that game, I, I liked what I saw. I, I saw a lot of the things that you just described as he plays like, you know, he's got the smarts, he's got the good hands, uh, he's physically very well developed. It looked to me like, uh, and they kind of pointed this out on the broadcast, that he hit the boards hard a couple of times. Uh, was last night a typical game by him, or would you say he looked like he was playing on one leg? To me, last night, I, I think the first period was a bit of a shell shock for for not just Shane, but for, for, for the team entirely. Um, you're talking about a team that uh, had only lost one game all season, and it was an overtime loss to uh, Detroit CompuWare, uh, U16s, uh, actually at that same Whippy Silverstick tournament that I just mentioned. Um, this was a team that hadn't dealt with a lot of adversity, and I almost got the sense from the opening face-off that they that maybe they were thinking it was just going to be that easy. And the Toronto Red Wings, I mean, everybody talks about how good Don Mills are. The Toronto Red Wings are a very, very good hockey team. They are going to have some very high picks. Uh, they've got a player there by the name of Adam Fantilli, who's likely to be a very high pick next year, quite possibly first overall. Um, and they've got other supporting pieces as well. So I think when when Shane was caught a little aback, uh, at least his body language was telling me that he was caught a little bit aback uh, by the pressure that Toronto was bringing or that the Red Wings were bringing. Uh, but when the second period hit, that's when Shane Wright, you know, he did hit the bar, hit the, uh, the boards hard a couple times. Um, at one point, it looked, uh, I think it was late in the second, uh, it was a dangerous hit that I almost thought, geez, you know, is, is he going to be able to come back into the game? Um, but I felt that uh, I felt that he he really brought what makes Shane Wright Shane Wright uh, at the times which mattered most, which knowing him a, a little bit on a personal level as I do um, does not surprise me one bit. Yeah, he set up the overtime game winning goal uh, to your point facing the adversity. I, I This last night was the first time I saw either of these teams play this season, but I knew what the, the record for the Don Mill Flyers was going into the game and that they, they didn't lose a game an entire season in regulation, which is 72 games is incredible. Um, and so then as to your point, they were down four one early in the, uh, I think it was the second period. They, they ended up being down four to one. And so I was really curious to see how this team was going to respond to that adversity. Remember, these are 15 year old kids. They're teenagers exactly. um, and they're on national TV for the first time in, in their life. So they're playing in front of Canada. Everyone's expecting them to, to be great. They have this amazing, insurmountable amount of pressure, and they're down 4-1. So how are they going to respond? Are they, it's, a, it's a highly talented team. Are they going to come out and each try to win the game on their very next shift individually kind of thing? Or are they just going to stick to their game plan, not, not hit the panic button, not lose confidence in their ability to win the game and, and rise to the occasion? And... Um, they really, they really brought it on, and I did not see a lot of individuals. There was some, some really great plays, some really smart passes. Uh, it just looks like they just kind of, you know, lost the the butterflies maybe, and and settled in and let let the game take care of itself. Did, is that the way you watched it fall out too? I would say, yeah, I would say that there was a there. It absolutely kind of followed that trend line. Uh, there's a there's a I think there's a lot of emotion in that game for them as well. I mean, to say nothing of everything you've just mentioned. I mean, the the spotlight, you know, you've got professional camera crews set up. You've got you know, usually in, in, in minor hockey, it's you only have one intermission. You'll just have a, a break while they uh, at the uh, at the, the intermission where they'll just gather around the benches, go over some coaching and then keep the game going. So you're having two breaks in play, which is a bit unusual for, for these players. Um, but. I think what also can't be discounted is that there was a huge emotional, 
I'd say groundswell uh, for this club. Um, last year, as, as many people know, uh, they lost their uh, they lost their goalie, uh, Roy Pejanovsky, uh, kid that I had the pleasure of watching as a bantam last year, uh, who tragically lost his life in an awful incident in uh, in Ajax, Ontario. And speaking to and, I, and I've spoken to almost the entire the entire Don Mills Flyers team and. I have a very good understanding of exactly what that meant to them, about what he meant to the team, uh, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if if his name was mentioned at least once or twice uh, in between periods to kind of inspire them to come back because between that first and that the first period and the rest of the game, uh, even going down the extra goals in the second, uh, I felt like they they really showed up. In fact, a friend of mine actually called me halfway through the game asking me what was going on. And I said, I, I have a feeling they're going to pull this one out. It's not for sure because, you know, the, the Red Wings are playing the right style of game for this. They're playing defensively tight. They're getting in front of everything. Um, but I just had a feeling like something like they were just going to figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, he, like I said, he, uh, to your point, Shane Wright rises to the occasion, scores when it matters. He set up the uh, the game winning goal in overtime. Um, how many points did he finish off with in the tournament? Uh, it was like 16 or 18. I believe 18 points. Yeah. 10 18. goals, eight assists, I believe. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I, I was doing a little Twitter searching and I came up with this interesting little chestnut, the OHL cup, all time scorers, Corey Perry had 20 points in eight games. Connor McDavid had 19 points and John Tavares had eight points. So that puts him in comparison at the same age group of players at the same time with some pretty, uh, pretty spectacular company. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's when you were, when I was watching him play during the week too, um, what's impressive about him is you don't see him get very many secondary assists. Um, you see him score a lot of goals. He had a hat trick in the semifinals against the, uh, against Detroit little Caesars. Um, and he, he just shows this playmaking ability to go along with what I am certain is an, as a, an NHL shot right now. I've seen him score goals that were just absolute highlight, highlight uh, real material, material, and I've seen him do it with regularity. I mean, this is a kid who, in my opinion, when his time comes and he puts on a jersey and on his draft day, he is, in my view, going to ascend to the to the kind of the heavens and comparisons of of the John Tavares and the and the and the Connor McDavid's of the world. So you're saying he's fantasy relevant? He is. Oh, he is. He, <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I guess, is radio, is, can you radio yourself on a podcast? I guess we'll find out. (laughs) If if I were picking a fantasy team uh, with how I project him to play over the next couple of years, um, if I were projecting him, I would say in the, in my fantasy draft of the, right after his draft year, so 2022, 2023, um, I would take him in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, right on. All right, so let's move on and talk about some other players. Uh, anyone else in that game that's today to you? mentioned Adam Fantilli. He was the player that impressed me the most, not named Shane Wright. Uh, he's only 14 years old. He's 6'1", 174, so he's got not too bad size. He's not even eligible for the OHL draft until 2020, and he'll be a 2023 NHL draft. So we are, you know, we're, we're deep diving here on fantasy hockey relevant prospects, but... Uh, this is a guy you think is a, a surefire can miss kind of player too. He's a guy who plays a very different style of game than Shane. Uh, Adam is a Adam is your quintessential power forward. Uh, the crazy thing about him being fourteen is he is a December birthday, so he's literally two weeks away from being a minor bantam this year. 
which is just, and for me, it's crazy town because the way he plays the game the way he moves is skating for a kid of his size is very strong. He doesn't mind setting up in front of the net. He's a total package in terms of what he can do offensively. He can set up goals. He can score goals. But if you're a defenseman trying to handle him in front of the net, uh, watch out. Uh, and with his additional physical maturity that's going to come from this year to, to next year, I think he's going to be a tough out for, for any club. Uh, as far as the 2004 players that I've seen, uh, outside of Shane Wright, of course, uh, Adam Fantilli is, is going to be, in my opinion, a very high pick in the OHL draft next year. Another player for uh, the Toronto Red Wings that really stood out to me was uh, Nicholas Athanasakos. Um, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, first of all, it, he reminds me of Andreas Athanasiu, who is a player who I was a big fan of a long time before he made it to NHL. I couldn't understand why he wasn't in Detroit Red Wings top ten prospect rankings like anywhere. Um, so I sat with him on my fantasy bench for a long time, and people were like, "Who the hell is this guy? Why do you have him on your roster?" And now they know. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of similar things from at the Sankos and just cause he's super fast. I mean, God, he's super quick. Uh, and maybe it's just like they both have very Greek last names or maybe it's cause he's wearing a Red Wings <laughs> style Jersey, but the comparisons were many. Uh, I really like this kid and I can't wait to see him playing in the OHL. What's your take on him? My take on him. He's, he looks like he's going to be a very legitimate junior player. Um, he is a, he is a, like you said, he's a guy who skates very well. Uh, his improvement over the course of the season has been, been very strong. Um, his offensive instincts have really developed. Whereas earlier in the season, you didn't see that same creativity that he could show, like with handling the pocket speed. Uh, but as the season went on and I would I imagine as his confidence grew, uh, he really took his game to another level. Um, I don't necessarily see him as a top line player uh, in the OHL. Uh, I see him as being a, a second, a second line player, uh, who's going to score, you know, maybe 20, 25 goals a season. Um, he reminded me last night a lot in his performance of how he was able to raise his game uh, as a kid who played, who was actually the MVP uh, of last year's uh, OHL Cup final, a uh, guy by the name of Isaac McLeod. Now, uh, he was a good player all season, scored some goals. Um, but when the OHL Cup final came around, he just he showed up and really took his game to that fit, that fifth and sixth gear, which is what you really needed to do in a situation like that. Right on. All right. So let's uh, let's shift directions a little bit. I mean, you're a USHL scout. It's really yeah. difficult for me to watch USHL hockey games north of the 49th here. They're just not very accessible on TV and uh, not so good at the streaming. So you're a scout for um, the Bucks. Let's talk about a couple of your players. Uh, I believe your leading scorer is Matthew Brown. He's American, 19, 181. And uh, he's going the NCAA route. He's eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Uh, tell me a little bit about your leading score. Uh, this is a guy who's got a real nose for the net. Um, his development from being drafted, uh, he was originally drafted by Dubuque. Uh, and his play with us this season has been just great. Uh, he is a guy who's he's uh, going to be 20 uh, later on this year. So he's been passed over before. But the way he's been able to take his game up this season, uh, really drive the net well, find his teammates well. But he's just got this innate instinct to find the open space when it comes to positioning, uh, when it comes to beating guys, uh, beating guys wide. And what he's really learned to do is our game, our game in the USHL is it, it tends to be a bit heavier. Uh, it's very uh, there's a lot of forechecking that goes on. So size is a bit more uh, of a critical aspect, though, that is you know going away uh, like in most areas of hockey. Uh, but he's a smaller guy who's really learned how to work with his size. 
Um, this is a guy who I think uh, he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be a high pick in the NHL draft, uh, but I think uh, a team drafting, you know, in the mid to later rounds, this is a kid who's shown that he can score. Uh, he's going to do it at the NCAA level, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to be, a, he's not going to step in right away, but I think this is a guy who could be a real gem. So he's committed to uh, UMass Lowell NCAA, which is great. He was your top scorer, 14th overall in the league. So that's uh, that is relevant. You're uh, you're confident someone's going to pick him in Vancouver. I, I hope so. I mean, if if uh, if they do, they're going to get a kid who uh, who's going to play hard. He's got great heart. The kid wants to win, um, and that's something that kind of intangible that he brings off the ice as well as on the ice. I mean, that's something that I think is really going to translate well. Um, of course, he's got a long way to go in his development to consider himself as an NHL player. But I think when you're getting into those mid to late round picks, this is a guy who who really, especially with the way the game is changing, I think he could he could be a real diamond in the rough. Uh, we love him on our team this year. All right. So let's talk about another one of your players. And this one actually has some size. He's a year younger, 18 year old Tyler Paquette. He's 6'3", 203. This will be his first go-around, I believe, for NHL draft. Uh, he's a winger. Didn't quite put up the same kind of points as uh, Matt Brown, who was a point-a-game player. Um, but uh, Paquette had himself 15 points in 52 games, and he'll be heading to Penn State. Uh, what's the uh, the 411 on Tyler Paquette? Well, Tyler's a very, very different player from uh, from Matty. Uh, Matty's a, you know, the, he's a smaller, uh, skilled forward Um Tyler Paquette, he is, you know, he's a he's a guy who his skating needs to come around a little bit, but I think a, a lot of guys are, are still getting to that point. But he's he's big, he competes hard, uh, and he he thinks the game very well. He really knows how to find the space to to make himself most efficient. Not the most creative player in terms of his offensive upside, but he's a guy who goes out there every shift, gives a hundred percent, and every once in a while, he'll just make this play. He'll have he'll set this play up that will just have you go. Wow. Just he's got these flashes where he, he just brings it to another level. And, you know, is he a guy who's going to be uh, an impact scorer? It's, it's questionable. I mean, he's still got a long ways to develop in terms of being a professional player. But I believe he's ranked uh, in the top 100 of the North American uh, skaters list. Um, he's got a lot of room to grow. He's very raw. But I think there's a, a ton of upside there. Right on. So NCAA will be a, a good league for him. I mean, he's got lots of size and strength, and that's a league that you're playing against uh, 20-plus-year-olds in a lot of cases, and uh, the size will, will bear well for him there. Exactly. And, that, and that's a big a big thing about uh, the USHL is, as a feeder league into the NCAA is, you know, we're, we're getting kids who are going in and going into play at a level that's, you know, you're, I use this when we invite uh, players down to our camps. Um, I kind of give them an idea of what to expect. And I say, well, you know, you're, you're more accustomed to sitting in your stall in the locker room next to the, your buddy who you've known for all your life. And, you know, you're playing, you were playing Fortnite last night, whereas now you're going to sit down in your stall and you're going to look to your side and you're going to see a 20 year old man with full sleeve tattoos. So you're, you're walking into a different world and it's, uh, it's important that you kind of have to catch up and realize that the maturity comes with that. Apples and oranges for sure. Oh yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's switch teams and talk about a couple other players. Lyndon Breen is another American. He's only 17 years old, but, um, he's eligible for the 19 draft coming up undersized as well. Five, nine, one sixty five. He has 33 points in 54 games for the, uh, central Illinois flying aces. He's headed to NCAA as well. University of Maine. 
Uh, what's the scouting take on uh, Lyndon Breen? Lyndon Breen, uh, he's he's an outstanding player. I think he's another one of these guys who's just going to be such a good NCAA player. It's his first full season with uh, with the Flying Aces, and to put up 33 points in 50 games, I mean, he was playing a lot of second-line minutes, um, a lot of first-line minutes, too, in terms of uh, being up the middle, uh, and he really kind of jumped out. Um, is he? He's not a big player. Uh, his skating still has a little ways to go, but the way he thinks the game, the way he processes it, uh, his commitment to winning, uh, and his playmaking ability is is fantastic. Um, this is a guy who's again like most NCAA players, they're going to need a little bit more time. But he's one of those guys who I think is just going to fly under the radar. And and if the NHL teams uh, team scouts are, are doing their job and doing their due diligence. This is another guy who I think in the mid to late rounds is, is a guy who can really turn into something special down the road. Um, he's still, I believe he's gonna, likely to be back in the USHL next year. I'm not sure what year his commitment is for. Uh, but he's a guy who, with a little bit more development, with that longer uh, development curve that you get with the USHL NCAA to NCAA route, uh, I think he's a guy who could really develop into a, into a nice middle six forward. Yeah, one of the things I like about the going the NCAA route is you can go to the NHL when you're ready. Yeah. Um, or you can go to the AHL when you're ready. Uh, when you go when you go the junior route, it's junior or NHL. There's no in between and until you finish your junior career. So I guess it kind of gives you a little bit more option that way. Uh, so Illinois Flyers have a, a couple of players actually who are draft eligible. So let's stick on that team. Uh, Trevor Janicki is another one, uh, 18 year old. About the same size, 5'10", just under 200 pounds. Yep. Uh, he's got 40 points in 50 games. He's a 2020 guy. He'll be headed to Notre Dame, yep. uh, fighting Irish. What's uh, what's the 411 on him? Well, this is a player who uh, he actually played his first two years uh, within a U.S. National Training Development Program. He was taken first overall in the Phase 2 draft uh, by Central Illinois last year. Um, and he walked into the team, and he immediately made a difference. Um, came out. Uh, he plays a good two-way game, uh, play, has really good offensive instincts, which wasn't something he got to show a lot of when he was with the program. He was more of a third, fourth-line guy uh, playing with the uh, with the program down south. But coming onto a team like Central Illinois that, that didn't have as much depth uh, up front that needed that offensive catalyst, it was an environment where he could really get in and really show what, show what he was made of. Um, he was a great addition to the team. I think he's a, he's a guy I would look at in the third or fourth round. I think he's definitely got pro upside. Um, and I think he's going to develop not likely a high, super high end score uh, at the pro level, but a guy who can slot it in your third line and contribute, you know, 15, 15 goals and 35 points and uh, really come in and, and lead a team because uh, his leadership ability, especially this season, has, have been fan- has been fantastic. Yeah, he looks like he's got uh, a good head for the game, too, with 40 points. Absolutely. Uh, another player who's uh, a little bit younger, but on that team, he's 2020 draft eligible. We Stephen Halliday, 16. Um, he's the biggest one on on the list, 6'3", 220. Um, he's uh, got dual citizenship as well, Canada, U.S. Uh, 47 games, 29 points. So that's not a not a bad stat line. He's a NCAA commit as well, University of North Dakota. Um, I mean, he's he's played in the OHL. He was in the OHL Cup as well. He had six uh, six games and he had nine points. So there's a lot of interesting things happening on this player's file. Uh, what's the story with him? Well, this is a player in 2020 who who is going to be a high pick. I would slot him. Uh, I could definitely see him being a first round pick in 2020. Uh, I would almost 
uh, call it a certainty uh, to say he'd be a top 60. Um, he is, you've got a 16 year old player who is like you said, six foot three, 220 pound left winger. I uh, played his minor midget with the Toronto Marlies program, the same uh, program that you know, had the John Tavares and Connor McDavid's and Jack Hughes. Um, just, uh, if you were to pull up a comparable, uh, if you are of an age, and I will you know, date myself a little bit here, if you were of an age that you were able to watch Joe Thornton play uh, junior hockey, that is what you're getting uh, with Stephen Halliday right now. He is, he is Joe Thornton. Granted, he is a winger, but his vision, uh, his size, his strength, uh, and his, commi- his commitment to get better. I mean, he came into our league and uh, he played you know, fairly well at first, uh, had a great uh, tryout camp with Central Illinois. Um, earned his spot on the team. He wasn't assigned to a tender like many other players were. Uh, and he came out and he's playing top six minutes. Um, but what stands out is the fact that he is a big body. He gets around the ice well. And his vision and his playmaking and his hockey IQ are just absolutely fantastic. Um, to come into the league as a 16-year-old and put up the points that he has, I um, mean, with the ups and downs, but also just to learn some of the finer points of the game. His defensive game has, has come leaps and bounds from where it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, this is a kid to keep an eye on. Uh, he is he is going to be an impact player, and uh, North Dakota's got a good one in him. He'll be back in the USHL next year because he's 16 years old? In all likelihood. Uh, unfortunately, Central Illinois uh, has chosen to go dormant for next season, uh, so a dispersal draft is going to be taking place. So uh, I believe his rights are owned by the Niagara Ice Dogs of the OHL. Uh, so he, yes, very much could go, uh, could go back to the USHL, um, or he could decide to exercise his OHL uh, eligibility with Niagara. Uh, the kicker there being is that by playing in the OHL, he'd lose his NCAA commitment to uh, North Dakota. Decisions, decisions. Oh yeah, it's uh, you have to grow up fast sometimes, and uh, he's and, gonna have to make a big one. And next year will be his his draft year too. Yep, absolutely. So uh, it's gonna be something I would imagine him and his family are gonna have to think about. But uh, I think wherever he plays, he's he's gonna be a great player. Dave, that's some great stuff, man. Thanks very much for uh, for coming on and, and talking prospects with me. Uh, these are a bunch of players that I, quite frankly, really have never had a chance to, to watch. So I wouldn't be able to talk about these guys uh, myself and do it justice. So uh, on behalf of everyone who listens to my podcast, thanks for coming on. Um, tell us again where we can um, where we can. I guess you're not writing anymore because you're a scout, but we could follow you on Twitter at Hoka Scouting. Is there anything else that you're doing that uh, the listeners might be interested in? Uh, at this point, uh, keep a look at my Twitter. I have to be pretty cagey with my uh, cagey with some of my tweets. You know, we have to maintain some trade secrets uh, for our own sure. draft. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you may want to take a look. You may see some uh, some big names coming up at our, at our own USHL draft. Um, it's held held online. I believe it's May seventh this year, but I don't think an official date's been released. Uh, our draft is a little bit different. We have a phase one, which is a strictly futures draft, uh, ten rounds. And we have a phase two the next day, which is a bit of a, a monster. It's 25 rounds, and it's anybody who's junior eligible uh, on the planet. So uh, you can see some great kids come over from Europe. You can see some Canadians, some North Amer- some Americans. Um, I, you know, players uh, get drafted from all over the world, from Sweden, from Russia. Uh, so you, you, know, it's, uh, you get to see uh, some names that you're going to see on NHL jerseys uh, in a couple of years. That is some fascinating stuff right there. What uh... – what are some of the, the behind-the-scenes politics in drafting players from, from overseas? Because the CHL import draft is, is coming up this summer as well. And uh, Kings and Frontenacs have the second overall pick in that draft as well. So they'll be adding Shane Wright. And then, theoretically, they'd be adding a high 
profile import player as well. Do you, do you have any insight on on what goes into drafting a player over Europe? Do you just like pick him and hope for the best that he comes over, or do you already have conversations with his agent and family and get and get some indication as to whether or not players it's even on their radar if they'd consider it? And do, what kind of persuasion is there? Any sort of compensation? I have so many questions. <laughs> well, I think I think the biggest thing is 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 maintaining contact with the player. Uh, and figuring out what their intentions are. And I mean, we, uh, in the USHL and, and the OHL, I mean, I think all scouts go through that from a recruitment standpoint, um, and particularly with the USHL. Um, we, our draft takes place about a month after the, uh, about a month after the OHL draft happens. So there's a lot of factors that have to go into it. Uh, families have to make decisions on what they want to do. Players in Europe for, for the import drafts would have to decide, do they in fact want to move to a completely different country, deal with potential culture shock? Uh, there's the aspect of could they potentially play pro in a lower league uh, back home? Um, so, I mean, if you I'll, if you take an example of uh, a player from Sweden who could move over in the U, in the, the in the OHL import draft, uh, they could go play there and then possibly get drafted, or they could stay home in Sweden and, and play for a lower tier uh, play for a lower tier uh, hometown team, but get paid in the process. Um, sometimes those decisions are ones that get made very late. Uh, they're, they're important decisions and, and they're ones that are life, life altering. Um, so I think it's a little bit of from column A, a little bit from column B. You've got to like the place that you're going to go. Um, that's where relationships are so important. Uh, I think there's a really important trust element in, in fostering the relationships, uh, with the players and with their families, uh, and with their, in the case of, uh, in the case of NHL players with their agents or OHL and USHL, their advisors, uh, to make sure that they're going somewhere where they feel safe. Because, uh, one thing that gets missed in, in major junior hockey drafts is that we are talking about, you know, 15 year old kids and we are talking about life changing decisions that, that could alter, you know, the very course of their lives. Um, so there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, whereas in the NHL draft, it's more, you know, you, you're drafted, you're happy to go. And unless you're Eric Lindros, you're in all likelihood going to go wherever you're picked. Right. Yeah. NHL draft players, they're, they're not eligible until they're 18 and they're they're legally considered adults at that point. They're old enough to drive, old enough to, to drink in Quebec, old enough to vote and make their own decisions and, and, and start life as an adult. Um, the kids we're talking about, these these are anywhere from 15 to 17 year olds. Uh, they're like literally teenagers, high school kids. And I, I can't imagine uh, moving across the world to a country that has a totally different language and culture and, you know, not just being able to pick up my, my phone and call my dad at the end of my school day because it's three in the morning where he is. Uh, so there'd be a, a tremendous amount of uh, stress and pressure and trouble that would go with that. Um, I just find it also fascinating and I wish I knew a lot more about it. But thanks for giving me a little bit of sneak peek behind the curtain there on on import drafting. Um, and thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure. Anytime, man. Uh, anytime you want to talk puck, I'm happy to do it. And uh, in all likelihood, if you, if you, hey, if you ever want to join me at the rink, just let me know. Yeah, and uh, we had a good time at the draft in Buffalo a few years ago hanging out together. If you make it to the NHL draft again, uh, we should get together and have, have a couple more beers and talk some hockey, eh? And that's a wrap for episode 52 of the DPR Show. Thanks, Dave, again for coming on the pod. Hope you all enjoy it. If you do, uh, please feel free to check us out on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, of course. Please, please, please give me the five-star review on iTunes. It really helps make the pod a little bit more discoverable. 
Uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at DPR underscore show at Farling and follow Dave at Hocus Scouting. Uh, episode 52 is over and we are going to do cue up the outro music. This week's band is one of my all time faves. They're the House Martins. And this song is called It's Always Something There to Remind Me of You. Thanks for your time. You can thank me for mine and I'll see you in the rink. Yeah.